0: welcome to the battleground wisconsin my name is matt bruski and i'm the deputy director here at citizen action of wisconsin and welcome to another week from wisconsin we have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is with us. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna.
1: Good morning, Wisconsin.
0: And our other panelist here at the Battleground Wisconsin is Robert Craig, our executive director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Robert.
2: Uh, hello, everyone, and I'm joining from Washington, D.C., from the AFL CIO, from the John Lewis room.
0: Well, Robert, we're glad you could join us uh, from Washington, D.C. Normally, Robert joins us here in our office where we record this podcast every Thursday morning. And uh, this, uh, p- this podcast is actually no longer just a podcast. That is the big news this week. Uh, we are, for the first time, uh, being broadcast, I believe, Sunday afternoon. It's probably about 3 o'clock now on the new progressive talk radio here in the southeastern Wisconsin area, 1510 AM. And we're really excited about being allowed uh, to come on and uh, make uh, pollution on their airwaves. Uh, Jorna, this is big news for us.
1: Well, I mean, I have a face made for radio.
0: So Jorna, <laughs> give, give, our, give, our, give, our, <laughs> give our new listeners a little bit, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who We you are
1: uh, well, my name is Jorna Taylor, and uh, I am born and raised here in Wisconsin, actually, Heartland, uh, go Warhawks, and have spent my life uh, almost the past 20 years now working in and around political campaigns and nonprofits all across the country. I am a regular here every week on the podcast, and I'm really excited to be here. I have Done time doing five hundred one c three nonprofit um, education work, some you know get out the vote presidential campaigns all the way on down the ticket to local races. So, I have a pretty good grasp of politics and and nonprofit work here in Wisconsin and nationally. You know, one of the things that really gets me out of bed in the morning is talking about voting rights and access to the ballot box. So you'll. You'll hear me harp a little bit about that, I'm sure. And I like to don my election protection superhero cape on election <laughs> day and go poll to poll, making sure that people have the right to vote. You know, whether you're a Democrat, or a Republican, a Libertarian, an Independent, you still have the right and actually the responsibility to participate in our democracy. In my spare time, you will get to hear a lot, probably about my uh, two favorite four legged pets, uh, George the horse and Reno the horse, because I spend a lot of time horseback riding and competing in the summer. And I spend a lot of time going to concerts and trying to lift up the burgeoning indie rock music scene here in (laughs) Milwaukee, among other things, and terrorizing the streets on my bicycle. So uh, I, I like to think that what I add to the podcast is a bit of refreshing from time to time, we might call it snark, Yo, um, no. uplifting commentary, uh, the, the yin to ya, Robert's yang, oh, if you will. beautiful,
0: <laughs> beautiful. Uh,
1: but I'm just glad to join you all.
0: Well, we are really thrilled that we have Jorna every week on this podcast. It's worth uh, pointing out... It's going to be hard for us not to call it a podcast if you're, if you're listening to this on the radio. Um, we have had this little show now for about five years. We actually started this coming out of the uprising in Madison and really felt there was a vacuum of any kind of real progressive talk that focused on state level and local politics uh, here where our opinions could get out. And so we started this podcast every week so we could at least make sure that uh, we had a way to get out some of the ideas and values that we thought were really important to be focusing on. So, Robert, uh, you have been on the podcast ever since the beginning. You're our executive director here at Citizen Action, but why don't you give the listeners a little bit more of a flavor about who you are, if they don't know you already.
2: Uh, Thanks, Matt. Well, I have uh, lived in Wisconsin most of my adult life, was drawn here by our first-rate education system and uh, UW system, which, of course, we would like to protect. Um, I, After I finished a Ph.D. in rhetoric at UW-Madison, uh, I was the political director for a major labor union where I cut my teeth on Wisconsin politics and lobbying. And uh, I've been executive director of Citizen Action Wisconsin since 2009. You know, health care has been a huge issue, but obviously we work on a number of issues like uh, economic justice, uh, the, the climate catastrophe, democracy. Uh, poverty, uh, a large number of issues in general. And um, though I think we're probably best known, and I am for, uh, for healthcare work, the far right has called me the high priest of Obamacare. So I think that that is uh, a little misleading, given that I want to go way further than Obamacare.
0: Well, Robert, that high priest appears about to be executed. Yes, it's worth having a broader vision. Look, um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about health care immediately in this podcast. It's worth us pointing out. We're actually very excited for this first big show on 1510. We have a special guest to dive a bit deeper in what's going on at the federal level around healthcare, and that is U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin. So we're super excited to have her. We'll have her on a little bit later here, but um, healthcare is something that we focus immensely on, and uh, Tammy's been uh, central to some of that work at the federal level.
1: So Matt, why don't you tell us about you?
0: Oh me? Oh you? Oh well, look, uh, my name is Matt Brusky.
1: Oh, (laughs) look at you.
0: So I've actually been at Citizen Action since 2007, and uh, prior to that, I spent uh, about a decade in the labor movement uh, as a union organizer and also a political organizer uh, with the Service Employees International Union, but also worked uh, for the American Federation of Teachers and briefly with the League of Conservation Voters. I really consider my expertise to be trying to figure out how do we get people engaged in the electoral process and uh, bring people power to the political arena, which is uh, quite frankly something that. That we need more of, so I've been doing that for oh geez since the '90s. But uh, absolutely love citizen action and am thrilled to be working here. And in particular, thrilled about the fact that uh, we're really seriously committed to trying to build member involvement in the political arena. And we'll we'll talk more about that specifically. Our organizing cooperatives uh, that uh, a number of our listeners are members of, and it's a very exciting project. But with that, we. We want to set up our first topic, and that is healthcare. Should be, why not? Um, and we're going to talk in greater detail here in a few minutes with Senator Baldwin. But Robert, if you could just let, let our listeners know a little bit background on essentially where we're at here uh, with the healthcare care uh, situation. We've got the Republicans and Trump this week in his State of the Union very clearly laying out uh, his position to charge forward with repeal, and it's completely unclear what we're replacing with. Well,
2: Matt and Jordan, it all began after World War II when we didn't do a national healthcare system, but I'll fast forward <laughs> on today. Beautiful.
0: That's excellent, Robert.
2: Yes. We're in a strange debate where uh, up is down and down is up because conservative right-wing Republicans ran on guaranteeing more affordable health care for everyone in this last election. And they've doubled down since then. Paul Ryan says, no, it'll be worse off. Donald Trump says, everyone will have health care coverage. Uh, the problem is it's a sw- it's a huge bait and switch, which depends on the, the public being so detached that they don't know what who's doing what to them. And uh, so the gap is tremendous. I mean what they're proposing, even the even the allegedly strong side of the of the Republican divide right now uh, would throw thirty million people off health care and double uh, health insurance premiums. It's about four hundred and thirty thousand people in Wisconsin. Uh, and it hasn't been working because the protest movement that has sprung up around health care is shining. And so they're not getting away with the bait-and-switch, plus they are themselves divided. The Freedom Caucus is now rebel in rebellion against the really bad Ryan plan that was announced without numbers about 10 days ago and against what Trump said in his first address to Congress this week. So they're a mess. I think largely because of the gap between what they promised and what they're willing to do, because they're against using government in this way to guarantee health care, and they want to give giant tax breaks to the wealthy, and the fact that they've created a Freedom Caucus in the House that actually believes you can get rid of the Affordable Care Act and do, do virtually nothing. And so it's a, it's a huge mess. The dog is caught up to the car and grabbed onto the bumper, and it's being to be dragged by the car, is the current status
0: report. So, Robert, obviously we're going to have uh, Senator Baldwin on here in a few minutes. I mean, what is essentially, you know, we've got where the Democrats are at in terms of this position. What really are the options, the best options out there uh, as we move forward here?
2: Uh, Well, the best option is Medicare for all, Matt, and uh, transitioning the Affordable Care Act in that direction. Uh, For the Republicans, the Ryan plan would, quite frankly, undercut Medicaid, which provides health care to 74 million people, and 45% of all kids in the United States get their health care from Medicaid, plus seniors with disabilities get their long-term care and, uh, and community supports to remain independent from Medicaid. Uh, so you have you have that going on, where there's, an, there's a planned attack on Medicaid, and there's sort of like pseudo-conservative ideas about replacement that would require money, like, various tax breaks, above health plans, uh, buying across state lines, uh, insurance, which means buying unregulated insurance that doesn't cover you. But when you add it all up, even the uh, Ryan position doesn't amount to much, or the Trump position as currently articulated, and that is not being accepted by the Freedom Caucus right now. So it's unclear what the options are. The best option is delay, Matt and Jordan, quite frankly, that if the longer they can't do this, they fight do an inauguration day, the worse it gets for them and the more likely it is that they they don't take any action on the Affordable Care Act and are forced to actually follow through on their promises to uh, to actually guarantee coverage to people.
0: Well, with that, we shall find out. We're going to take a little break here. And on the back end here, we're going to have Senator Tammy Baldwin to find out straight from her where she thinks we're all headed here in this health care fight. So welcome back. Uh, Again, we're really excited with our first show here on 1510 AM here in Milwaukee. And we have our first guest. We're super, super excited to have U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin join us to talk a little bit about health care. Senator Baldwin, thanks for joining us
3: delight to join you and boy is there ever a lot to talk about
0: yeah yeah we could probably talk about have have a whole hour show with you but uh, we really appreciate that you took the time to talk a little bit more in depth on healthcare with us it is absolutely critical issue going on right now and uh, this week our president trump uh, certainly continues to say he's going to push forward along with the other republicans on trying to repeal and uh, with no idea sort of where we're headed. Absolutely.
3: And, you know, what it really amounts to is an effort to take away people's health care, to take away the guaranteed protections that people have today uh, to prevent insurance company abuses, uh, uh, to prevent uh, uh folks from being denied coverage because of pre-existing health conditions, uh, to protect people from medical bankruptcy, uh, like we used to see in the years prior to uh, the Affordable Care Act passing. And so this is such a vital, such an important fight to have. Um, And I'm really uh, really happy that we're going to get a chance to talk about it in a little bit more detail.
2: This is uh, Robert Craig. Um, You know, you and I have been fighting for health care as a right for a long time uh, in Wisconsin. And I just want to get your kind of your broader perspective. Um, After the election, probably like me, your heart probably sunk that it looked like we had a majority in a president that would repeal the only major dramatic progress we've made in the last half century. That was the Affordable Mm -hmm. Care Act. Uh, but they ran on affordable health care and guarantee everyone health care, which was a little bit bizarre. But then this protest movement rose up across the country with average citizens asking just real questions about what the implications would be for them and exactly how these alleged replacement plans would work. And now we're in a situation where they did not do it on Inauguration Day promised as promised. It's not clear when they're going to do it. And their divisions with their own caucus, even the kind of plan, disastrous plans that Speaker Ryan has floated, are now go way too far for the Freedom Caucus. So I'm wondering, if, if sitting there in Washington, D.C., and, and being involved in this process, uh, what, what, is, what is your perspective on where we stand right now, and where really the popular outpouring in democracy has taken place, what role that has played and will play moving forward?
3: Well, Robert, it plays a central role. It is why uh, they haven't gotten away with uh, snatching health care from millions of Americans already. And uh, people are going to have to stay involved and share their stories and speak out uh, in order to uh, continue to uh, inform our Congress about what Uh, these drastic proposals mean for human lives, for people's health and well-being, and for their financial security. So I think it's worth uh, a a detailed review, like you just mentioned, Robert, that originally after the elections, um, I I think a lot of my Republican colleagues felt, uh, uh, perhaps because they'd only been listening to opponents of of the Affordable Care Act, that they had a mandate to repeal it. They were going to uh, do so using extraordinary procedures that allow them to do so on an expedited, uh, in an expedited fashion. With. Uh, simple majority in in the Senate. They were going to repeal it in the first week or so. They were going to supposedly have a quote-unquote replacement plan. Um, You know, I heard some folks trumpeting that they'd have it on the president's desk the day he was inaugurated and he'd sign it into law. Now move forward all these weeks and there's not even a comprehensive plan that's been put together and and uh, brought in the light of day for people to look at and debate. And we read report after report that there's huge disagreement, even within the Republican ranks, about what to do. And that rancor, that division, I think is um, to be— credited to all those who have been speaking to their elected representatives and saying, um, what are you going to do? And asking very specific questions about, um, you know, the consequences of uh, getting rid of these guaranteed protections that have improved the well-being of so many. Um, So I, I credit citizen engagement with the fact that uh, this is sort of right now uh, on hold for the Republicans. Now, that said, it, it's not over. Uh, they haven't abandoned their efforts to repeal. Uh, they haven't abandoned their efforts to uh, try to craft something uh, something different. But we have to be vigilant moving forward and ask the important questions about the guarantees that people now enjoy and that protect them, uh, and and what's going to happen to all of those if they repeal the Affordable Care Act. And my belief is um, that we need to get to a point where we don't repeal at all, but instead strengthen our health care system by addressing, um, you know, some of the things that still haven't been fixed.
1: Well, Senator, this is Jorna. Taylor. And thank you so, so much for joining us today. And thank you for your years in both Congress and the Senate uh, fighting for health care and access to health care. On this show, I have spoken many times about how I am one of those people that receives my health care on the exchange. And I have pre-existing conditions. Uh, you know, I'm nearly 40. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Uh, you know, and so I, I plan on being around for a while yet, and I'm not at an age where I'm anywhere near being eligible for Medicaid or any of the other programs. And so, for the foreseeable future, I've got to get my insurance on the exchange and have these pre existing conditions uh, covered. And so, you talk about stories and people telling their stories. What what else can we do? Because I'm, I'm terrified, right? I look at my bills when they come from the insurance company and I see what is covered and what is not with my deductible and look, I have a good job and I make decent money and all of that and I couldn't afford some of these bills that come if I didn't have this kind of coverage, if I had to pay for these pre existing conditions treatment on my own. So so what else can we do as citizens to make sure? Can we can we call Senator Johnson? I mean, what else?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first of all, just the, the the power of telling these stories, telling your story. I I uh should um, tell my own, which is uh, I had a serious childhood illness at age nine, and so, therefore, even though I recovered, I was a child with a pre-existing health condition. I didn't have insurance until um, I reached uh, young adulthood and was able to buy into a group plan at my college, and I, you know, it is um, so frightening, and it was, um, you know, when I was growing up to uh, my grandparents who raised me to know that an injury or a serious illness could bankrupt them. Uh, I hear from so many in similar situations. And so, you know, and that's just one, one, I don't want to call it a small provision of the Affordable Care Act, but that's just one component. We also have, you um, the reform that I championed uh, when working on this legislation to allow young people to stay on their parents' health insurance until they're 26. And then there's the whole issue of caps. And uh, So if you haven't faced one of these, it might be a mystery, but I I, I do want to just sort of quickly explain what it is. Um, It's when you have insurance uh, and then you realize that they – Uh, will only cover a certain amount up to a cap for a particular uh, condition. So let's say cancer treatment, uh, chemotherapy. And what happens if you need five rounds of chemotherapy, but your insurance uh, is capped to only cover one? How do you pay for the rest? How do you get that life-saving care? And I used to hear story after story of people um, uh, losing everything, frankly, uh, 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 people needing to declare medical bankruptcy because of these uh, type of uh, insurance abuses that have all been uh, reined in under the Affordable Care Act. And I think it's worth saying, you know, what sort of situation so many Wisconsinites would be in, um, like uh, like you, Jorna, if there were a repeal of these protections. Uh, you might not be... Uh, even allowed to purchase uh, health insurance in the individual market because of a pre-existing condition, or it might be so unaffordable that it's not true access. And we cannot go back to those days. Uh, In terms of what to do to share your stories, I mean, I would continue to educate at the um, community level. I know um, all of you have been very active in um, working uh, to organize rallies and opportunities for people to speak out and educate in their communities, getting media coverage for all of that, write letters to the editor, um, uh, blog about this, but also, yes, call and write your House members and your uh, senators, call and write your state legislators and the governor, because there's a, a state piece to all of this also.
0: Well, Senator Baldwin, first of all, we want to thank you for your leadership and and taking time to talk with us today. You've been you've been a leader on healthcare for years. You were one of the original supporters of healthcare for all. Uh, well, who knew this could be complicated, huh? That's our president just figuring it out oh this my week. Goodness. Who knew? I, I, this is so complicated. I'm glad you could come in and remind us how complicated, but also how super important this issue is. And we really want to thank you for your leadership and taking the time to talk with our uh, talk with us today on our inaugural uh, show here on fifteen ten a.m.
3: Well, congratulations on that, and thank you so much for devoting it to uh, such an incredibly important topic
0: well thank you again senator for joining us today so welcome back uh here at battleground wisconsin we we, we, we're going to focus a lot on state level issues we in fact many of our podcasts are shows that might be the only thing we talk about is state level issues Um, and one of the new issues that it's not really a new issue, but it seems to be extraordinarily white hot right now is all around fair elections. And this whole idea that we have gerrymandered, rigged districts where essentially we've got politicians who write and draw these districts in these maps, and they really are selecting their own voters as opposed to uh, voters being able to really pick uh, who their representatives are. And, uh, it's been unbelievable in the last few months, pretty much since the election, how many people have been contacting Citizen Action about wanting to get involved in this. And so we're going to be coming a lot more involved in this. Jorna, I know this is an issue that uh, you, you follow a lot. You are, as you said earlier in our intro, our, our democracy person. Um, are you at all surprised? This has usually been very much an insider sort of political kind of uh, issue,
1: Well, for years and years, we've been talking about how redistricting impacts the ability of like communities to elect those that represent their values and their interests. And we've had guests on this particular show over the years that have talked about how voters have been packed into one district or spread out so that they can't have an impact. And I think that Over the past year or two, people have finally realized just how detrimental these lines are to their ability to have a voice in government. We've seen Republicans in Wisconsin just run roughshod over things that we all care about, and especially in cities and in places where... There is a minority population that deserves to have a voice. It's been overshadowed by these districts that have been gerrymandered so much. And I think it's really interesting and about time that people have taken an interest and are mobilizing around redistricting because, let's be honest, this is not a sexy issue at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is something where in the past – uh, politicos or people who really follow politics uh, closely would certainly be aware of it and and Democrats in particular since the latest round of maps have been out have been of course extraordinarily upset about it and a lot of the activists or the base kind of know about this but it has never risen to where people are voting for candidates based on their position as to whether where they stand on this and I'm not saying that we're there yet, but there's definitely a move afoot where people understand that there's something wrong when you can have an election where Democrats running for state legislature get more votes statewide than the Republicans, but are down by like 30 seats.
1: Well, and let's be clear, this isn't just a thing that is happening in Wisconsin with Democrats versus Republicans right now. There are lawsuits in other states that are going on with redistricting where it's the reversal and Republicans have been pushed into smaller districts. So this is about fairness, right? Anything that the courts do, this isn't an overnight fix right now. We're not all of a sudden going to get these maps where every district is 50-50 and it's wonderful and you know fair chance for everybody Um, but this is a process and hopefully it will make everything a bit better in the long run.
2: So I think Jorna and Matt you're absolutely right about redistricting becoming a a big public issue and I think it's because people are seeing that the political system is rigged, and so this is an example of the rigging, and that that rigging of the political system is connected clearly to a rigged economic system. So Jordan is right about the impulse of fairness. It is really like deciding that one team gets a first down at five yards and gets more downs than the other team uh, in football, for example. But it's, it's the mechanism by which We don't have government actually responding to the people. And you have these originalist right-wing judges, I put that in quotes, who claim that they want to do what the founding fathers of the country or Wisconsin had wanted. But they set up the legislatures to be responsive to public opinion. When there was a big change in public opinion, the representatives are supposed to change over to reflect that. And when you create this system that protects one party and protects incumbents, uh, then it doesn't serve its constitutional function anymore. That is, our assembly or our Congress. And so right wing judges never seem to see that do they because they're connected to trying to advance economic power and and big corporate interests. And so I think people are connecting the dots and redistricting is not just some arcane issue, it's one of the fundamental ways that the rules of game of the game have been stacked against average people and against
4: democracy.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you're right. I I think people are starting to get it. And here at Citizen Action, one of the things that makes us unique is we want to try to take an issue like this and actually continue the progress forward and get people involved in this issue. Um, We have... Tons of our organizing cooperative members and folks who are learning about our organizing cooperative through this issue getting involved and wanting to figure out how they can get involved in this process because we have this whole lawsuit, and and the Republicans are going to have to redraw these maps. Uh, And so that process could provide, you know, plenty of opportunities for us to make this issue even uh, more. Aware in the broader public uh, and more of an issue in the 2018 elections. And uh, in addition to that, there's also legislation. Senator Dave Hansen, we had him on a previous show uh, talking about his legislation to set up nonpartisan uh, redistricting. uh, And we know that there could be possible moves for like constitutional amendments uh, to try to change this process. Either way, there's going to be tons of opportunities. So if you are interested in getting involved, in this issue please contact our cooperative uh, organizer Anna Dvorak here at Citizen Action we'll have uh, links to her here on the website Uh, her email is a good way to get in touch with her and we'd love to have you get involved but with that we got to take a break and we'll be right back welcome back Uh, we're really thrilled about our first show here on 1510 Oh yeah. Okay. So you're welcome welcome to the Snark Zone. Uh hey. Are, hey, hey oh, all right. Easy Tiger. So a favorite part my favorite part of the show uh, Jorna's section. It's called Paul Ryan Watch.
4: Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch.
0: We believe Paul Ryan worth keeping an eye on every week. And uh, while we're often focused on state-level issues, we think it's worthwhile to stop, reflect on what Paul Ryan has been up to this week. And Jorna leads that effort. Jorna, wh- what has Paul Ryan been doing this week that's worth our attention?
1: He's been riding horses.
0: So, okay. I'm all appalled. right. am <laughs> <Yes>, Right. <laughs> so last week we talked about uh, Paul Ryan's grandstanding attempting to ride a horse down at the uh, border.
1: Yeah, and then his. So he released... A news station got a video of Paul Ryan getting run away with on a horse, which is appalling. And so his office tried to combat that by releasing its own video of him poorly riding a horse, (laughs) where they gave him some ridiculous talking points, and he keeps saying, oh, it's a good loper. Oh, yeah, he (laughs) lopes real good. Oh, geez, yeah, this horse is a good loper. Look, I've been riding horses for 36 years, and that's not how we talk about riding. Uh, And that poor horse, it just, it deserves better.
0: It is worth pointing out this week that Paul Ryan seems to be uh, embracing Donald Trump again, feeling... Uh, he's more embraceable after Hugging. his yes after his uh, speech. Uh, but Jorna, you did also point out, right? Ryan continues to push on uh, the repeal, replace, expanding it, uh, saying we need to go after Medicare. We know he's ta- put Medicaid on the table, but like. He's got a secret plan, I hear. He's got a secret
1: plan, and it's in a secret room, (laughs) and it's in a secret building. Oh, wait, the Capitol. Uh, But so the House Republicans have a new version of replacing Obamacare, and because their last plan got leaked, they are having a single copy in a room in the dark where they will only allow you to go in and read it and you cannot take any copies out of the building it will be top secret surveillance there'll be black helicopters the whole thing
0: Wow, this this sounds a bit like it how it used to like be sounds like open w- government to when me when you were doing a dissertation or something and trying to access <laughs> rare materials anyways well look we we want to talk a little bit more about Paul Ryan we actually have our second special guest and Uh, That is Scott Ross. Scott is the executive director of One Wisconsin Now. Scott, thanks for joining us.
4: What's happening, Matt? Ah, Ahoy, hoy Jorna.
0: What's going on? And Robert Craig is also on via D.C. Bob,
4: what's happening?
0: Awesome. (laughs) How much? I'm out in D.C. looking at all the power. (laughs)
1: i thought you were draining the swamp robert
0: so scott we figured it was very fitting you you have an amazing sense of humor and this morning i was uh perusing facebook and you posed a question that i thought was brilliant and it follows up on uh, paul ryan at the border that i wanted to have you on to see if you could pose the question and see if we could get maybe our listeners Reaching out to Paul Ryan to find out if we can get some answers. What 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 should we be asking Paul Ryan?
3: Well, let me just
4: say this first, Matt, and and again, thanks for having me on to talk about the sacred cow of Wisconsin politics, Paul Ryan, who is regularly ignored by the media here. I guess well for the last eighteen years. Um, let me just say this first off the bat before I pose the question. I post it posed. I would not go to my actual Facebook page because people are people are saying things that are. Uh, uh, rather untoward. But my question... <laughs> Hard is, to believe. Very simple question. How thick does Paul Ryan want the wall along our 1,989-mile Mexican border?
1: Very. <laughs> <Barry>. Very.
0: <laughs> this is a wonderful question because obviously that... Well, first of all, uh, the whole idea that we're building this wall and that Paul Ryan, who... Uh, fancies himself a sophisticated policy person would be uh, jumping on board. This is absurd and shows just how crass he is. Uh, the notion that we'd be having a conversation about the thickness of a wall is brilliant.
1: Scott, I don't know if you've ever been down to a border wall in between the United States and Mexico, but my folks spend the winter. About ten miles north of the Nogales border, and we regularly cross that border to go and have some great meals and drink margaritas, and then we we come back because we're good Americans and we can do that without being harassed. Um, to to do so, and and that wall, that wall seems thick enough to me as I'm going through that border crossing, and you can see through it basically. It's kind of vented and nice, but it just seems to me that this is a solution in search of a problem. Basically, and so maybe this thicker wall will help. I don't know.
4: I think that um, I think that it's just outrageous. It is so beyond the dignity of this of our United States that we are going to be that that we have a a person in the form of Donald Trump uh, and people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell who are acquiescing to what will be one of the most shameful episodes in the history of this great nation. Um, and I think that you know, I mean, I think that the reason people you know. I think the reason the hashtag no ban no wall is popular is because the values of the American people have been violated by what these by what these elected officials are trolling out there with um, and I, you know I, let's not even get into the idea of who you know that we're going to end up paying for the wall let's not you know get into the idea of you know how are you going to Actually, police the wall and to pay for the policing that will be ne- needed done. But again, that's sort of fundamental, easy question that I think pulls the curtain back on how ridiculous this is. And that is Paul Ryan. How thick do you want your wall to be? Well,
2: Scott, you've you jumped to the easy part. It's un-American. It's immoral. It, it, it's shameful. It embarrasses us in the world. It'll be an historical embarrassment. But. You know, back to the policy walk part that's so important that you'd mentioned the width of the wall. You know, uh, during the election, Trump talked about the height of the wall, not the width. And when the Mexican uh, president said they wouldn't pay for it, he said the wall just got two feet higher. So I, I wonder what yeah. you think about whether block grants, for example, to Mexico could create a wall of the sufficient height and uh, width in order to achieve the goals of, of Herr president.
4: I mean, it's just, it's, it's just it's so beyond ridiculous. And I don't know if, you, if, you, if any of you are, um, have ever been fans of the uh, Penn & Teller show on Showtime, but I'm going to say somewhere in the last 10 years, but it might be a little bit earlier than that, they actually did a thing in the border where they had um, some workers build a wall. And then they had those same workers try to get through the wall. One of them get over the wall. One of them get under the wall. One of them get through the wall, um, to prove how ridiculous an idea of building a wall was. And this was a long time ago. And uh, it was the ones who went right through the wall who uh, who had who had the easiest time to navigate it. <laughs> so it, the question of thickness may be the most important question we're asking.
1: This is so so regressive and ridiculous. And Scott, you mentioned, and Robert, you as well, just how undemocratic this is and how, really, let's go, let's be honest, let me put on my Robert historian hat for a moment here. As a country founded on immigrants, yeah. perhaps we shouldn't be such jerks.
0: Well, Scott, we really appreciate you joining us to ask this, pose this question, and I, you know, I give it to listeners. I think it's, uh, yeah. we, we should know, feel free to, Chime back on... uh, Two, three feet thick? Inbox us on Facebook. We'd like to know what their office is saying for the thickness. And, uh, Scott, we will get back to you and report if if we get any information on that. It will not be the last one of these
4: questions. I have come up with a series of Scott's simple questions that (laughs) I think our elected officials need to answer. They're not hard. They're simple.
0: (laughs) Well, Scott, we may have to have you back on for a few more questions, but we really appreciate you uh, joining us today. All
4: right. You guys be
0: well. All right. Thank you, Scott. With that, we do need to... We have just a couple minutes before we go to the break. Um, we do need to mention, uh, we, while we joke... Um, And we certainly uh, joked there with uh, senior Scott Ross, it is vitally important for us to be in contact with our state legislators. And this week, um, we have to talk a little bit about the news that broke around uh, Ron Johnson sending a cease and desist letter to uh, an individual who was trying to get in touch with said office.
1: Be clear. Be clear, Matt. It was his staff. Yes, excuse that me. It. Yes. He just signed it as staff?
0: He just signed it as staff. On his letterhead. Uh, on his letterhead, yes, indeed. So look, um, without getting into the details of all this, and we'll have links to articles that talk a little bit more about uh, the experience of this veteran uh, trying to get in touch with uh, his uh, state senator or his U.S. senator. Um, the broader point here is, uh, as mentioned by Senator Baldwin, there have been Lots of events all around the state. Lots of town halls. Even Jim Sensenbrenner has been holding town halls. Uh, But uh, (laughs) Ron Johnson has, to this day, refused to hold a town hall. And uh, all he's done is these telephone town halls where he's able to screen questioners. uh, And it's just wrong, right? I mean, we have absolutely huge things moving through Congress, uh, of course, healthcare being one of them, and this gentleman won't even uh, hear from the public. So, uh, with that, we got to take a break, and will Robert? You got one more thing, huh?
2: I'm just going to say it's caught fire in the media uh, because it stands for the whole. It's one person, but it stands for the attitude that a senator wouldn't want to talk to his own constituents about policy, like you know, a massive change to our healthcare system. So I think it stands for the broader Democrat problem we're seeing right now with this Congress.
0: Yeah, and, you know, so while we joked about the thickness of the wall, please keep contacting uh, Senator Johnson, uh, Congressman Ryan, Senator Baldwin's office, right? These are elected officials. They need to hear from us. And, of course, at Citizen Action, we think that is central. And we'll see you on the other side here of this break. We have elections coming up, and they will occur in the maps that currently exist. Uh, and there's a statewide race that's very important. We talk, we've we talked about it before on our show, and that is the superintendent of public instruction. In the primary, uh, Tony Evers won going away uh, over two uh, incredibly compromised uh, individuals, <laughs> <laughs> which... Uh, Uh, only proves that many of the conservatives and Republicans will choose ideology over principle. Uh, But uh, we want our listeners to know that we cannot take this April 4th election for granted. Just because Evers won the primary by a very large uh, amount, there are going to be a, a larger pool of voters that are going to be coming out. And the conservative money machine, the special interest money machine, the voucher, private school voucher machine, will get into this race, and um, we know the state is a is a very close state. So we have to get out and really support Tony Evers. And if you go to our website, we have a link where you can. Uh, contact the campaign directly. They're willing to send you literature. They're willing to send you walk lists. They'll set you up with phone calls anywhere you live. They're willing to work with you to try to help you get involved. Uh, And if you live in the Milwaukee area, uh, we will be out canvassing both for Tony Evers, uh, but also for two of our organizing cooperative members who are running for school board. That is Tony Baez and uh, Larry Miller. In fact, uh, speaking of redistricting, Tony Baez is uh, the only uh, Latino member on on the school board, or would be the only Latino member on the school board. And that is a district that was actually fought for in redistricting to be a predominantly Latino uh, district. So we really want to see our cooperative member, Tony Baez, win that seat. And Larry Miller is up for re-election. And so we'll be out doing doors, making phone calls, 9.30, Milwaukee Teachers Education Association. Every weekend we'll be out uh, on Saturday. So please, uh, next Saturday, come on out and uh, meet us in Milwaukee. So with that, though, we have to bring this podcast to a close. It's no longer a podcast. Oh, my God. Gosh, it's a show, Jordan. It's a we're, show.
1: We're it, we're real. We're legit.
0: We're a real radio. Well, we're not legit. We'll
1: Let's... we'll let our listeners vote on that. So yeah,
0: yeah. we'll <laughs> we'll see. We may. So uh, if you find uh, we're not back next week, well, <laughs> you know that we're not very good. Uh, so look, we wanna we wanna thank Brian Wildridge. He is our producer of this podcast. He has produced it for over five years, and he was also very helpful in. Uh, getting us on to 1510 along with all of the organizing cooperative members from our uh, radioactive cooperative who helped uh, reach out to 1510 and encourage them to put us on the show. So again, before we go, we are Citizen Action of Wisconsin, and you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're very active. We're very active on Facebook, uh, so I encourage you, if you haven't, go on to Facebook and like us. We're also on Twitter. Um, but uh, we will be back next week. And Hopefully. We, we hope, if we're lucky. And we'll see you again next week here from Wisconsin at the Battleground, Wisconsin.